Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Years ago in Texas, we were we were all pulled up to a place, and you know, you get out and you get your coffee, and you know, you it. it one of the coolest things about being a working ranch cowboy is, is when everybody gets there. It doesn't matter if you saw them the night before, everybody shakes everybody's hand. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. And it's, and it's, it's kind of comical because it's always overlapping hands and everything. Well, it was kind of one of those mornings. And anyway, the, this guy had pulled up. Boy, he was just, he was glowing. I thought he was pregnant. I mean, he was just glowing, right? And we were like, why are you so happy this morning? He goes, bought me a new horse yesterday. <laughs> like you did, huh? Is it a colt? He's like, oh, no, man. This is, and, you know, I, need, I needed, a new, uh, needed a new team roping horse. He's, he's a new head horse. And, man, I roped on him yesterday. And, I mean, he is just automatic. I, if I can teach him to throw a loop, I won't even have to get on. He just, he just sits in the box, and he just comes out. He puts you in the same spot every single time he doesn't duck off before you ask him to you can kind of slow that steer down and he turns off and it's just oh my gosh he's just automatic and you're like dang you know get him out let's take a look at this dude and he pulls him out man and he is shiny slicked off kind of arrogant looking you ever seen those that you know team roping horses match their owners just kind of cocky and strutting their stuff a little bit you know and you know, I kept waiting for the horse to pull out his rope and build a loop and, you know, slide it and stuff like that, like they always do. But the horse didn't. And so, anyway, we were like, man, that's a good-looking horse. He's like, yeah, man, thanks, thanks. He's just like a new dad, right, you know. Thought he was going to pick him up and hold him. And, and so, anyway, it was time to go. And, of course, West Texas brush and skate and all that stuff. And he kind of gets on this horse, man. This horse is a little bit antsy. So we strike a long trot off, and, and I kind of hear a little ruckus, and I look back, and he's kind of having trouble with this, you know, five-figure uh, <laughs> high-powered team roping horse. And, man, it's, it's boogering at brush. It's boogering at everything. He didn't finish the gathering. He had such a hard time in that horse. By the time we made it to the backside of the pasture, man, it was dripping sweat, and it's eyes were just bulged out of its sockets and that's what happens sometimes when you take an arena horse that's never been anything except a stall and sweet feed and alfalfa and you take it out in the pasture it freaked out at every bush every rabbit every single sound it was just totally out of its element you know he was real good in the arena but not good for everything else I call that a civilized horse, a civilized horse. You know, uh, Abe Fair that used to be with, with us at Save the Cowboy, many of y'all remember him. Uh, he, had a, he had a horse named Hollywood, and, and Hollywood and, and my, my horse, uh, Butthead, I mean Headbutt, uh, uh, they, they looked real similar, big bay horses. And uh, anyway, we, we were out at, at Roberts one day, and we go up to, we kind of had all the cattle kind of rodeared up in a big corner and not pressing on them too hard. They, they still had a lot of room to 
you know, get around and everything. But we were holding them up in a corner instead of just chasing everything. And Abe got up there to, to rope this calf in his, and, and the calf's mama kind of took offense at Abe trying to rope her baby. And anyway, she come after Hollywood and she hit him right in the chest and then kind of rolled around you know, kind of towards Abe's right foot and Abe's sitting there swinging. And Abe starts laughing. I mean, this, this cow is like, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just trying to eat his horse alive. And I look over and Abe is laughing and then he starts trying to pet her. It's okay, girl. I mean, she's trying to eat him alive. And he is sitting there laughing. And I thought, if she gets under his horse, this is going to be bad. But he just kind of kept, you know, turning uh, Hollywood into this cow and just pushing on her. And it kind of got to be a, a pushing match. And, you know, me, well, you know, I'm used to riding Fiona. The cattle are bigger than she is. So, you know, we can't really do that. And, and Fiona is... I think the definition of uncivilized because she's not big enough to go toe to toe, but she will put two toes right between their eyes. She spins around and double barrels cows in the face. But, you know, Hollywood never got excited and never got mad and never gave up. And, and I was just kind of sitting there in awe because all of this is going on. And while she's trying to maul Abe, Abe is laughing and he's trying to scratch her on the head but he's also watching that calf. And while she's mauling him, Abe goes, whoosh, reaches out there and ropes the calf and rides off. I'm like, Man, this guy's a barbarian. He's a barbarian. I don't know who was more uncivilized, Hollywood or Abe. I'll never forget that he had the biggest smile on his face. Most of us would have been wide-eyed and trying to whip the cow. He's trying to pet it. Ah, it's okay, girl. I always thought that Abe was a lot like John the Baptist. Neither one of them was afraid to look the most powerful people in the eye and tell them the truth. John ate locusts and honey in Israel, and Abe ate some of the nastiest pickled stuff in Israel. Gave him gas, and he just sat in the front of the bus and just said, Sorry! 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 I feel sorry for Neil. Neil had to room with him. You know, neither dressed fancy or spoke fancy just what was functional to get the job done on both ends. Both were adamant about their faith and about the God that they served. They both constantly pointed the way to Christ, whether someone wanted to hear it or not. Both were uncivilized. Both were uncivilized. Now, if you don't know much about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a uh, kind of paved the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And... Uh, Anyway, we find John the Baptist, if you read in Matthew, you know, starting in, I think, oh, I think chapter 3 or something like that. You don't have to really turn over there, but that's where his story starts. He's baptizing folks at the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is like the, the eastern uh, boundary of, of the promised land of Israel. And I, I think it's uh, telling that he was out on the boundary. And anyway, he was baptizing people, and people were coming from all over. And even the Pharisees would come out and, you know, John created quite the ruckus. You know, when, when Jesus, the day he's baptized, I, I can picture Jesus walking up and there's some Pharisees there. And, and Jesus overhead, overheard John telling the Pharisees, just basically telling them off. He's like, you Dan of rattlesnakes, you know, who told you to 
prepare for the coming fire, beware, the axe is at the, you know, at the, the axe is ready, and if y'all don't repent and change your ways, then you're going to burn in hell. I mean, this is John the Baptist, right? He does not care. He does not care. And, and you know, I, I kind of picture him as a wild and woolly guy. And, you know, it says he wore camel hair and a leather belt. And knowing John, that was, you know, just kind of picture a, a poncho with a leather belt, and that's probably it. And uh, he, he, was, he was quite the rough guy. But, you know, Jesus comes up and sees John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is yelling at all the, you know, supposedly the most righteous people in Israel, and he's telling them off, and rah, 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 rah. You know, you'd think that when Jesus got there, he'd say, hey, John, let me talk to you a second. Come here. Look, man, I know you mean well. I know you mean well, but maybe it's not a good idea to tick off the most powerful people in Israel, Okay. These guys, you know, they're, yeah, they're self-righteous. Yeah, they're, they're this. Yeah, they're that. But at the same time, man, just kind of tone it down a little bit. You'd think that's what Jesus said. John, just love on them. Give them a flower, you know. Go tell them what, you know, can we not do the good news sandwich a little bit? You know, tell them something that they're doing right. Give them some pointers of something that they're doing wrong. And then, you know, give them something that they're doing right again. You know, the good news sandwich. No, Jesus doesn't say any of that. He didn't. He didn't go in there and get on to John for being a barbarian. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, a while later after Jesus is baptized by John, Jesus makes this statement about John the Baptist. He said, I'm going to be reading out of the Simplified Cowboy Version. You can follow along in your real Bibles. This right here is the truth. No woman has ever given birth to someone greater than John the Baptist. But yet he was uncivilized. He was uncivilized. I mean, he spoke it like it was. He didn't care if he was in a three-piece suit. They was in the muddy Jordan River and he was baptizing and he was telling, I mean, you wanna talk about the original hellfire and brimstone? That, that was John the Baptist. And Jesus never once told him to calm down. Jesus never once told him to settle down. The only thing Jesus said about him, well, not the only thing, but the main thing that he said about him is that no woman has ever gave birth to someone greater than John the Baptist. And in reading this, man, I, I got to thinking, man, you know what? The body of Christ, and that is the church. I, I hate using the word church because most people think of, you know, First Baptist Church, Kiowa, or something like that. Man, for, forget about that. The church is the body of Christ. That is the, that is the connected, no matter where we're at in the world, the body of believers. That is the church. But I think that the body of Christ, aka the church, has become way too civilized. It has become way too civilized. I think it's kind of become the arena church. The arena church. They're all real good inside, you know, in, in, inside the, the four walls. Man, everybody's got their holy hands up, you know, jazz hands, and can I get a witness, and, you know, all of this stuff. They're real good inside, but whenever you take them outside together, most of them are nearly worthless. They don't, they don't know, the, you know, they, they were raised in a stall, they was raised in a Sunday school, and they were taught, you know, be nice, don't say anything rude, you know, don't say anything offensive, you know, don't hurt nobody's feelings, don't tell them the truth, just, you know, show them love and all of this stuff. But I, I, I wonder, 
if we can't learn something from John the Baptist and especially what Jesus had to say about him. We've become too civilized. We're good, you know, thinking about an arena or a rodeo, we're, we're real good when people are watching, right? When, when we're in this situation, man, we watch what we say, we watch what we do and stuff like that, but when we're out in the pasture, man, it's a whole different story. We're boogering at everything, man. If there's even the least little bit of provocation, man, we, we run back to the church where it's safe. We become too used to slant load trailers with hay nets when we get the munchies. I think that's an accurate description of the body of Christ today. Man, comfortable, comfortable. But what I think that Jesus really wants is an uncivilized church, uncivilized. You know, we need to be just as good in the pasture as we are in the box. We need to be the same person in here as we are out there. You notice I didn't say the same out there, whatever, you know what I mean. That made sense in my noggin. But we need to be just as good out there as we are in here. We need to be the same person every day. Not this, you know, split personality, Christian slash worldly people that we act one way in church and we act another way out there. We need to go bust brush and gather instead of, you know, offering Rice Krispie treats so that people will come in and hear the word of God. If the only time that we are talking and thinking and praying and teaching about Jesus Christ is on Sunday mornings, we're not doing nothing. We're not doing nothing. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. I'm talking about all of us here. I'm talking about all of y'all watching online, man. You know what? <laughs> My job biblically is to uh, equip the people for, work, for good works. I got out of ministry whenever I started training ministers. And if you are a professed believer in Jesus Christ and you have given your life to him, then you are an ambassador of Christ. Does anybody know it besides the people sitting here? Does anybody realize who you are and who you claim to be? Do they know who you think Jesus is and, and who he claimed to be? I think Jesus and John... Thinking about it, I think they were more of the stalker act kind of cowboys instead of living quartered trailer folks. And if you don't know what I mean by that, you know, way back before living quartered horse trailers and everything, you know, they used to just basically put some panels up on the side of a pickup and just basically jump their horses into the back of a truck and close a tailgate and they just went down the road. But yet anymore, uh, some of our horses travel better than, than we do. But I think Jesus and John, man, I think they were more of a stock racks kind of dude, kind of dudes. Just, man, let's just get in there, man. It, 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 we don't care what it looks like. We, don't, we just need to be practical. And what we care about is gathering people for God. What we care about is, is that people know the good news, not whether we look the part, but that we play the part. You know, we, we shouldn't need to be enticed with treats to do our job. You know, I, I've often said that, yeah, and, and yes, there is, there is no doubt that whenever you follow Christ, man, there are blessings associated with it. But I'm here to tell you that if Jesus only did one thing for any of us, and that was dying on the cross, it's more than we ever deserve. We shouldn't need to be enticed with, well, you know, if you'll pray, your, answer, your prayers will get answers. Man, forget all of that. 
Jesus did enough on the cross that we should have the inclination to live our lives like he commanded us to do, regardless of any earthly benefit that comes from it. We shouldn't need to be enticed by treats to do our job. We need to have a warrior spirit to go rope a calf while being mauled by a cow and laugh while doing it. And I ain't talking about cowboy, and if you can read between the lines. See, all of that right there is uncivilized. And if I may be so bold as to say, I think each one and every one of y'all has felt it in some form or fashion. I think you felt it. You know, you just don't really, you don't really feel that, that faith that you once had, that daring, you know. I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of you are more ranch cowboy than, than arena cowboy. You know, you're tired of loping circles in a pen. You want to go out and do something. You want to go out and do something that is meaningful. I use this, this illustration uh, quite a bit to where, uh, you know, I- anybody can gather cows. I- I'm telling you, anybody can gather cows. You come out with us tomorrow, and as long as you can stay, as long as you can keep your horse between your legs at, at at least a trot, you can gather cows. You, it's real, the concept is real simple. You ride out, you get on the other side of them, and you keep them all in front of you, and you push them toward the pen. It is not rocket science. But let's say we have 100 cows, and, and, and Ty and Mitch take a bunch of greenhorns out there that's never done it before, and they push all of the cattle to the fence, or to the pens, and then there's that one. What number is it at our place? The one cow. 46, except 46, because she's going to go along until you get close, and then she's going to try to go somewhere. Now, our cows aren't bad about jumping fences, but I've seen it happen. One says, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't going, and they go jump a fence. Well, guess what? The greenhorns ain't going to go get her. It's going to be Ty and Mitch, and they're going to give her some rope and dirt therapy. Therapy. Therapy session has started. They're going to teach her that the safest place in the world is right in the middle of all those cows. And then whenever they get to the Patty Ann's later on that day, they got all their greenhorns and everybody was excited. And the waitress walks up and says, what'd y'all do today? We gathered cattle for the first time. They're like, oh, that's amazing. How many did y'all gather? And they said, 99. And then the waitress looks at Ty and Mitch and says, how many did y'all gather? And Ty and Mitch said, One, one. I want the body of Christ to be like that. That, yeah, anybody can gather cattle. We could build a big fancy church and pile people in here, but you know what? I want at least save the cowboy. And 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 it's my prayer for, for every other church out there to be able to be filled with people that, you know, when, when a cow jumps a fence and goes out there and starts brushing up, that, that you have to pick somebody to go out there because every single one of them can do it. And everybody, you know, I'll go get her. I'll go get her. I'll go get her. I'll go get her. Nah, nah, we, look, we all, we can't all go get her. Some of us need to stay with the 99. Okay. See, here at Save the Cowboy, we strive to be uncivilized. Not too long ago, <laughs> we had a, well, anyway, I'm not, for safety's sake, I'm, <laughs> Uh, this guy was talking about something and, and a song was playing and he said, yeah, well, you know, we, we better turn this song off. It's not really meant for church. And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, it's talking about, you know, 
waking up next to your girlfriend and stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I, I see your point. He's like, I don't want anybody to get offended. And I was like, oh, some of my sermons are worse than that. Some of them, I mean, I would rather tell y'all the truth than tickle your little old ears. If you want your ears tickled, talk to your husband. Okay? I ain't going to do it. I am not going to do it. We strive to be uncivilized here at Save the Cowboy. You know, we do not meet in a million-dollar facility. And people have asked me, it's like, well, how come you don't have a church? And I'm like, you know, we do have a church. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, but why don't you have this, this nice building where you could do more stuff? You know, I, listen, we, we don't have a million-dollar facility with $400 chairs. Most, you know, when we got these chairs, a lot of them had bird crap in them. I ain't kidding. It was dusty. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> it's like, it was like the buzzard bathroom, you know? And, and, and we just cleaned them up, man, kind of. You know, we kind of wiped them off. We don't care. We don't care what we're sitting in. We don't care if we're, you know, that comfortable. You know, the, the reason that, that God, I think, and, and we've talked about building a church, a building. We've talked about building a building. You know, I just was like, you know what? I, I never wanted for a building to be the center of our faith. I wanted Jesus Christ to be the center of our faith. You know, Jesus' most famous sermons weren't inside a synagogue. They were on the side of a mesa. And I know it bothers Ty to no end, but, you know, a lot of times they wasn't eating beef. They was eating fish. <laughs> I know, buddy. We're, we, we are here for you. <laughs> I would have just filled up on carbs. <laughs> yeah, but we, we don't want a building to be the center of our faith. We want it to be Jesus Christ. You know, with the way things are going, there may come a time when we're online only. I mean, you know, if, if things keep going like they're going and, you know, all of this stuff. But you know what? And, and I don't want that to happen. But you know what? If it does, so be it. So be it. We can still worship together. Just like y'all that are watching online now. Man, we, we can still come together as, as the body of Christ. Uncivilized as we are. You know, uh, another way at Save the Cowboy that we try to be uncivilized is a lot of times people, they'll, they'll say, well, I left that church because I just wasn't getting fed. Listen, if you can depend upon me to feed you, you is going to starve to death. Okay. You are going to starve to death because I guarantee you I am not that type of guy that is going to, you know, blend everything up, fix you a four-course meal, and cut your steak up just in little bitty tiny bites and make airplane sounds so that you'll open your mouth and eat the Word of God. I am not going to do it. If you're looking for that, go somewhere else. You will feel, and I'm not, I don't want to lose you, but go somewhere else. If you need the open wide, No. No, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. You know, uh, we're, we're not here to feed you. Because, I, you know, my words are not the bread of life. Jesus is. See, we're not going to feed you at Save the Cowboy. We're going to teach you how to hunt. We're going to teach you how to hunt. And if you're really hungry, you'll go out and hunt. If you're not, you're going to go somewhere where somebody's going to spoon feed you. And then you're going to wonder why you're not growing. Listen, we put the full responsibility of your faith on your shoulders. I don't, I, you know, I don't care how bad, I don't care how bad you uh, 
want to say this whenever you reach heaven. I don't care. You're not going to be able to say, well, Kevin was a sorry preacher. He didn't teach me right. No, the full responsibility of your faith is your faith. It is. And we'll do everything that we can to help you. We'll do everything that we can to help you. We don't have Bible studies, but we teach you how to study the Bible. We have cowboy training on Thursday nights. The purpose is not to look good, but to be able to go out and serve. That's what we do. We want people to know that authentic Christianity is real and it's available. We don't rely on emotionalism and promises of rewards for a half-hearted effort. We rely on truth, and if you're not willing to go full stupid, you'll be left in the dirt. We want people to know that authentic Christianity is a risky business. As Erwin McManus wrote, Christianity as a civilized religion claims to have a group plan negotiated with God. A group plan negotiated with God. Everybody gets the same package. And of course, the package is always the premium plan. Get rich, get comfortable, get secure, get safe, get well when you get God. Everybody gets the John plan. Not John the Baptist, the disciple John, you know, that lived to be, he died of old age. Everybody wants, gets the John plan. Nobody gets the Paul package, you know, getting your head chopped off. But listen, we don't need to be a civilized people. God did not call us to dress up and come and get comfortable and uh, just be nice. He called us to know the truth. He called us, he told us one of his last words on earth were go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll ride with you always. Man, that's what we need. That's what we need. We're not here to make friends or look cool. We are here to become brothers and sisters, serving the man and mission of the Son of God whose name is Jesus Christ. Not until the service is over on Sunday, but until our life is over when we die.